Well, turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 3, we're continuing, of course, our study of the nation of Israel, actually seen through the eyes of David. David is, of course, King David, the man after God's own heart. He has already been anointed as the second king of the nation of Israel, but there's a problem. There's a division. When he became, when Saul died, he became the king. The tribe of Judah followed him, but the rest of Israel didn't really, and there was uh, Saul's son by the name of Ishbosheth, who actually was king of the north, and that was put up by a man by the name of Abner. He's the real power, and so we've got this conflict, and as we study this, we're seeing a nation in division and defeat and death, and there's all kind of issues there, and we saw that uh, something strange happened last time, that this, this man by the name of Abner left and came to David. He's been in the north helping Ishbosheth and back being the real power. He comes to David and says, I'll come and I'll help you anoint, you know, put the whole nation together. And we'd say, well, why would he do that? Well, first of all, he's mad at Ishbosheth, and second, he, uh, he thinks he'll have power when he helps David become the king. As we look at this passage, there's some really hard things in there. And when I say hard, there's some real sad things in there. And we're going to look at it because we're going to see revenge and vengeance. We're going to talk about testimony. And we're going to talk about even our own words. And so as we study this morning, we're going to see some great things in God's word. Well, as we, as we begin, think about it as believers. We have to be careful how we live. Let me think about it this way. We have a dual aspect. We have great freedom. The bottom, when the Bible doesn't speak about something, we have freedom to make wise decisions. But at the same time, we want to live in such a way that we have a good testimony. We don't want to cause someone else maybe to stumble. And so we have what I call the dual aspect between freedom and testimony. Where the Bible doesn't speak, we have great freedom. But at the same time, even though we might have freedom to do something, it could be perceived maybe in a wrong way or, or something like that or cause someone to stumble. And so the old saying is, if it, if it looks wrong, don't do it. And the Bible actually says, give no appearance of evil. And so there has to be really a balance between our freedom and our testimony. And each one of us, as we look at our lives, we have to be persuaded in our own mind what we think is, is the best thing to do. I had a friend that used to say, if, if there's a doubt, like if you said, and the Bible doesn't really say anything about this, but I don't know, it doesn't really seem exactly right. Then if there's a doubt, really don't do it. The reason I bring this up, and, and the bottom line is we want to we be lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, but the reason I bring this up is David is going to have an opportunity, but there's something bad happens, and David wants to make sure that people know that he didn't have anything to do with this, and we're going to see it as we go through our passage this morning because he wants to maintain his testimony, and we're going to see Joab seeks revenge, and we'll talk more about these people. I'll give you their names again in a minute. If this may be your first time or you haven't been in a while, uh, we'll remind you of where we are in our study. Let me give you the outline. We, um, there we go. We saw already the first 21 verses that we saw last week. We're going to see Joab returns. We'll talk about who he is in just a second. We see Joab kills Abner. We'll talk about that. And then David mourns them. And, and so as we look at this passage, uh, remember that there's two factions. There's David, who has now been anointed as king over Judah. He's got a general, or he's got a leader by the name of Joab, which is actually his nephew, really strong. In the northern part of Israel, they've united behind a man by the name of Ishbosheth, which was Saul's son. Saul is dead. But the real power is a guy by the name of Abner. He put Ishbosheth in that position. So there's been a war going on. And as the time has gone by, David's men continue to win. And the, David's army is getting better and better. David has his 600 mighty men. I mean, so they're winning. And, and so it's not looking really good for the north part. And as we look at this, this morning's passage, there, the things that stand out, as I said a while ago, are vengeance, our testimony, and our words. Let me give you the people. 
David is the, is the, everybody knows who David is. When you start saying David, you think of David and Goliath. Uh, David is the great king of Israel. David was the great man. He's been anointed. He was at 15 years old, most likely. He was anointed as the coming king. He's now 30 years old. So it's been 15 years. All else 15 years, Saul was the king and Saul tried to kill David. So now David's become the king, but it's over Judah. He has Joab and we call him David's general. He won't officially be the general till later, but he's a powerful man. As we talked about, talked to some of the guys in between the services. And, you know, Joab is a guy you do not want to mess with. Uh, Sometimes Joab does some really good things, and sometimes Joab does some really bad things. And so David is sort of, uh, Joab is sort of David's general or leader or powerful man. Then there's Ishbosheth, which was Saul's son who had been appointed a king over the Israel, which was the northern part, and he has no power at all. He is a weak man. He doesn't really want to be the king. But Abner, who was the general under Saul, put Ishbosheth in that power. And so Abner thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a lot of power. He knew if David actually became the king that he wouldn't have any power because Joab most likely would have the power. And so we've been seeing that. Now, we saw last time that Abner did something strange. He got into an argument with Ishbosheth, and so he says to Ishbosheth, I'm going to go help David. And so he says he's going to go help make David king. If you look at verse 12 of 2 Samuel chapter 3, it says, "Then Then Abner sent messengers to David in his place, saying, Whose is the land? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand will be with you to bring all Israel over to you. So now Ishba, Abner is saying to David, hey, whose land is it? We don't know what he means by that. He may mean, whose land is it? It's mine. Or he may say, it's David's. And what he's really saying is, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you, David, become king over everything. Because he says, I, Abner says, I made Ishbosheth king. I think I'll make you king. Well, the truth is, he's not going to make David king. God makes David king. God is the one who raises up kings and sets down kings. So it's not Abner that does anything. But he's a man of pride, and that's what he is. We saw it last week. We talked a lot about it. We saw pride in the life of David. We see pride in the life of Joab. We see pride in the life of Abner. And so we know pride is terrible. It causes all of us to fall. Pride was the cause of the fall of Satan. Pride uh, pride caused, uh, caused the fall of man. And if you look behind every sin that we do, Ultimately, everything that we do goes back to pride, and we say, well, I deserve this, or who is the, somebody can't do this to me, I'm, you know, nobody's going to do this, and so pride is behind every aspect. And so what we realize is, what's going on now? So Abner comes to David, and if you look at verse 21, Abner said to David, this is where we stopped last week, Abner said to David, let me arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you and that you may be king over all that your soul desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Now, uh, what, but Abner came and said, hey, I'll go back and I'll get all the rest of the nation of Israel, and I'll bring them together, and we'll come and we'll make you king. Now, that sounds good to David, because David knows that he's already supposed to be the king of Israel. He's supposed to be the one to rule, and it's not going very well. And, you know, here's the problem. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. David is going to be uh, king over Judah. That's that one tribe. It's going to be for seven years. It will be seven years before David becomes the king over all Israel. So it's really a, a strange thing. So, so Abner comes back and says, I'll help you become the king. And David says, sounds good to me. Now, here's some questions to think about. What part will Joab have in this new kingdom, so to speak? And what part will Abner have? Now, see, because Joab thinks, I'm going to be the general. 
But if Abner comes in there and has been helping David, what will he do? And Abner says, listen, if I come and help David, maybe I'll be the general or maybe I'll be in power. And so we already see there's going to be some real issues. Now you remember that in a war, in a battle, Abner killed Joab's brother. And we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But remember that this is what's going on. Let me remind you of, of that battle. There was a battle at the very beginning of this civil war, so to speak. And, and Abner was running away. And Joab had a brother named Ashiel, who was really, really fast. He also has another brother named Abishai. So that's the three brothers, Joab, Abishai, and Ashiel. And they're all related to David. They're David's nephews. They're most likely older than David, though, by the way. So Abner's running away. Ashiel, real fast, is chasing him. And Abner says, hey, hey, don't chase after me because I'll kill you, and I don't want to kill you because I know your brother Joab, and I don't want to kill you. But he came after him anyway, and so he took a spear, and he stuck the blunt end, and it went all the way through Ashiel and killed him. So Joab knows that Abner killed his brother. Now, it was in a war, and that's a different way to look at it, and we'll talk more about it in a minute. And so because he killed his brother, Joab does not like Abner. And Joab wants to get Abner. And we're going to see that Joab wants to get vengeance. Abner had killed Joab's brother, and, and he wants to get him back. But just remember something. And this is, we'll see it as we go through the passage. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. It does. The Bible says, never return evil with evil, return evil with good. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Sometimes when people do us wrong, we go, that's not right. And I, that, you know, they're not getting away with it. And sometimes when you say, well, vengeance belongs to the Lord, you don't get them back. Sometimes we say, well, they're going to get away with it. They never get away with it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. People do not get away with doing wrong. Well, anyway, Joab says... Abner, kill my brother. One of these days, I'm going to get him. Notice how verse 21 ends when he said, Abner said to David, I'll go get everybody. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. So everything was good. And if you said to David, what do you think, David? David said, I think it's going to work out really good. If you said to Joab, what do you think? Joab would go, what are you talking about? And if you said to Abner, what do you think? He says, I don't know. I got a chance. We're going to see what's going to happen. Well, look at verse 22. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and he had gone in peace. Now, Joab comes back with some other soldiers, and they have just raided and they've done real well. And they come back, and Joab does not know that Abner had been with David. Now, if he finds out, he's going to be really upset. He doesn't know. So they come back, and they think everything's fine. And then look what happens in verse 23. When Joab and all the army was with him arrived, they told Joab, somebody told Joab, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he is gone in peace. And you can see Joab going, what are you talking about? Abner came here? Abner came to David? And Abner left? He thinks, David should have killed him. He's the enemy. What do you mean he came here? Now, so you can think about what is Joab, what is David trying to do? And you know, in his mind, he could say, you don't think David's going to put Abner in my place, do you? We better not. That's not right. And so we raise this question, why, why does Joab hate Abner so much? Well, they're rivals as far as leaders, uh, that Abner would be a threat in the new kingdom because Joab would say, wait a minute, he can't take my place. 
And then finally, he had killed Joab's brother. And so this is a, a really battle. So look what happens. Verse 24, Joab came to the king and said to him, what have you done? Behold, Abner came to you, and then you have sent him away, and he's already gone. You know what he actually says to David? He says, what do you think you're doing? That man came here and you sent him away? He should be dead. If he came to see you, you should have killed him the moment he came here. That's what he's saying. And notice how he speaks to the king. What have you done? You know, David could say to him, hey, listen, don't talk to me that way. Remember, I am the king. You know, you are my nephew. But he says to David, what do you think you're doing? He said, you sent him away in peace? You should have killed him. And then look what he goes on to say in verse 25. You know Abner, the son of Ner, he came to deceive you and to learn of your going out and coming in and to find out all that you're doing. He said, he didn't come here to help you. He came here to spy on you. Joab raises the issue that Abner is a spy. He came to see what you're doing, when you're going, when you're coming, and that's what he wanted to do. He's not here for peace. Now, we never get the answer from David. We never see what David says. But Abner is gone, and Joab is now going to take matters into his own hand. It's vengeance. And sometimes, uh, you know, he's never gotten over the fact that his brother was killed by Abner. He's angry and jealous. And sometimes in our mind, he's trying to justify the fact that he's going to kill Abner. Now, let me just say something to you. Do you remember in a battle, in a war, when people kill each other? That's not murder. And Joab doesn't have the right to kill Abner. Let me just show that. We'll just talk about that. It's so easy sometimes to justify vengeance or to justify the things that we do. We say, you know, the government, I mean, they, the taxes are way too high. They take way too much. And so it's okay if I don't put down everything. If, I mean, if I'm, I'm, it's just the government. Or, you know, I work for this big company and they got millions of dollars. It doesn't matter if I take some of this stuff home. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Well, somebody lost this. If, I, if they lost it, that's just their problem. I'll take it. It's easy to justify things that we might do. And we're going to see that Joab is going to justify going after Abner to kill him. Remember this, vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to us. And sometimes we say, but, but, but if I don't do something, they're going to get away with it. They never get away with it. Just remember that. They never get away with it. Well, look what happens. Look at verse 26. When Joab came out uh, from David, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the well of Shira, but David didn't know that. Now look what happened. After he talked to David, he went out and he took some of his men and he said, go, go find that guy Abner and tell him to come back here. Tell him, uh, tell him we need to see him. And so they go after him. David doesn't know anything about it. And so why is he going to bring this man back here? Well, watch what happens. David doesn't know anything about it. So Abner returned to Hebron. Joab took him aside in the middle of the gate. Now, I'm going to read this slowly, and then I'm going to explain it to you in just a second. Watch. So Abner returned to Hebron. Joab took him aside in the middle of the gate to speak to him privately. And there he struck him in the belly so that he died on account of the blood of Asheel, his brother. Now, let me, let me put something up. Hebron is a, called a city of Refuge. I'll talk to you more about it in just a second. Notice how he killed him. He's killed him by stick, stuck him in the stomach. That's the same way his brother died. You remember? Abner picked that spear up and 
put it through, and it went all the way through Ashiel. Well, he does the same thing. He calls him over, and then he sticks him and stuck him in the belly, as it says, and that he died on account of the blood of his brother Ashiel. Now, you can't tell it. We'll tell it a little bit later in the passage, but Abishai is there as well. You remember the three brothers, Joab, Ashiel, and Abishai? Well, it only says Joab here, but we're going to find in a couple of verses later that Abishai is there too, and they both kill him. They both kill Abner. Now, let's talk about a city of refuge, okay? I want you to understand this. Hebron was one of the six cities of refuge. This is the nation of Israel. And God said, when you come into the land, I want you to pick six cities, north, middle, south, north, middle, south, on both sides of the river. He said, those are called cities of refuge. And here's what happened. If you accidentally kill somebody, if in example used in the scripture is a guy chopping and the axe head comes off as he's chopping and hits somebody else and kills them. And you went, I, I just killed my friend. I just killed. Well, under the Mosaic law, the family of the guy who got killed had the right to chase you down and kill you. So you who did not kill on purpose or to run to one of the six cities of refuge. That's why they had them all over, so the closest one, you could get to the closest one. When you went into the city of refuge, you said, I accidentally killed somebody, I didn't mean to do it, the family's trying to get me. And then they would have a little trial, and they would determine whether it was an accident or murder. If it was murder, they turned the person back over to the family. If it was an accident, they said, you're safe as long as you stay in the city of refuge, but you can't go out the city of refuge. If you go out the city of refuge and they kill you, that's okay. So once you did something like that, you had to stay into the city of refuge, and you could say, well, how long do they have to stay there? The Bible said they had to stay as long until the death of the high priest. So if this happened to you, you would hope that the high priest was really old, and because you don't want to have to stay there for years, but you might have to. Now, I want you to notice something. Joab is thinking city of refuge, and if Abner comes out of the city of refuge, I can kill him. That's wrong, because it was in a battle. It wasn't an accident. It was in a battle. And so Joab is going to do something wrong. He thinks he's doing something right. Remember in the city of refuge, if you came out, what happened to you? They could kill you. Watch what happened. Verse 27. So when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside. Where? Into the middle of the gate to speak with him privately. And there he struck him in the belly so that he died on account of the blood. He got him and he said, hey, come, come here. And as Abner came out of the city gate, he kills him. And he says, I had the right to kill him. Because he came out of the city of refuge. Joab did not have the right to kill him because he didn't, it wasn't an accident, it was in war. So Joab has killed an innocent man. And so he's done wrong. And now David finds out. The word comes back Joab killed Abner. David went, Well, there goes that plan. I mean, he was going to put everybody together. So look what David does. Verse 28, afterwards, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are innocent before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. And what David wants to make sure is people realize he didn't do anything with this. He didn't even know what was happening. And let me put this up for you. 
Two things. David did not want to be connected with vengeance. Remember, David's learned about vengeance. He was going to go kill Nabal, and Abigail stopped him, and David realized, yes, vengeance belongs to the Lord. He would never kill Saul. So David has learned vengeance, so he doesn't want to be connected with this vengeance. But second, he didn't want the people to think that he had Abner killed so he could take over the kingdom. He's saying, look, I didn't have anything to do with this. Notice he says, I and my kingdom are innocent before the Lord forever for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. What he wanted to do was he wanted to keep that clear testimony and give no appearance of evil. And we need to do the same thing. We need to stand strong and, and, and do, do what is right. Well, look what happened. David then talks to his, he, he, gives, he throws a curse on his own family. He throws a curse on the two brothers that are left, Look on the two nephews that are actually brothers. Look what he says. May it fall on the head of Joab and all his father's house that they may not fail from the house of Joab, one who has a discharge or one who's a leper or one who takes a hold of a distaff or one who falls by sword or one who lacks bread. Let me, let me, look what he said. He said, I pray that they have some kind of disease in which there's stuff always coming out, or I pray you get leprosy, or I pray that you get a bad leg and you have to have a, you know, have to have a, a crutch, or I pray that somebody will kill you sometime, or I pray that you will get, you'll just starve to death. He basically puts a curse on them. He puts a curse on them. And notice verse 30. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner. See, remember back up earlier, all it said was Joab, but it was both of them. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put his brother Eshel to death in the battle at Gibeon. And notice the Bible says it was to death in a battle. So the Bible is very clear that Joab has done something really wrong. And so what are they going to do? They're going to bury Joab. I mean, they're going to bury Abner. And David says, we're going to do this right. And watch what he does. Then David said to Joab, verse 32, and to all the people who were with him, tear your clothes, gird on sackcloth, lament before Abner. And David walked behind the bier. And so here it is. And, and so he's made them. They're, going to, they're taking the body. They're taking the body to bury the body. And he has Abner there, and he says, you're going to tear your clothes, you're going to put on sackcloth. Uh, I mean, he has Joab there. He says, you're going to do that because you killed this man, and you're going to be there. And notice it says, and David walked behind Abner's body. And so he wants everybody to know he didn't do anything. And so notice it goes on and says, Thus they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And see, David is showing that he cares all about what's going on. And the king chanted a lament. This is a sad song. Should Abner die as a fool dies, his hands were not bound, you were not put into feathers, uh, you fall before the wicked you have fallen, and all the people wept. He's basically saying, you didn't do anything wrong. You, you weren't a prisoner. You weren't tied up. Uh, you, you didn't do anything wrong, and you died. And he's saying, should Abner have died like a fool? No, no. Well, I want to stop for a second and talk about refuge for a second. Refuge, you know, the city of refuge, if you stay in the city, you're protected. Well, this, the city of refuge is really a picture of our refuge, Jesus Christ. He is our place of refuge. We've all done wrong. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. We come to Jesus to be safe in him. In him, we are safe. We are safe forever. Jesus is our city of refuge. He is our Savior and our protector. We never want to forget that. 
Well, look what happens. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was still day. But David said, no, no, may God do to me and to more also if I taste bread or anything else before the sun goes down. They said, listen, David, you need to, you need to eat. And he says, no, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat until the day is over. Now, all the people took note of it, and it pleased them just as everything the king did pleased all the people. So all the people in all Israel understood that day that it had not been the will of the king to put Abner, the son of Ner, to death. The people understood that David did not have a part in the death of Abner. Let me tell you, if David would have had a part in this, he'd have a hard time being king over all of Israel. But David didn't do anything wrong. Joab is the one who does wrong. Uh, Let me say something. We look at this and you think, well, what's going to happen to Joab? You say, looks like nothing. Joab killed an innocent man. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. We're going to study, and it may be some years down the road, but it's going to come back just like it always does. Look what David says. In verse 38, then the king said to the servants, do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? Do you realize he never says a bad thing? David never said a bad thing about Saul who tried to kill him over and over. David never says a bad thing about Abner who tried to take the kingdom, who tried to divide everything. He never says a bad thing. We should say things that build up rather than tear down. Let me just say this, and we've talked about it before. It's been the same thing we've talked about in this passage or this this book, that it's so easy to say negative things about people. I mean, we're in this room. We're in this playing together. We're all body, the body of Christ, the believers. We love each other, and yet it is so easy to pick out and find things that are wrong. Let me just say this. The closer you get to people, the more you see that they mess up. We all mess up. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all got faults. The closer you get to people, the more you realize they're just like you are. And it's easy to find things you don't like about people and say, well, he always does this or she always does this. Listen, you can impress people from a distance, but you can only impact people close up. You got to get close to people to make an impact. But when you get close to people, you see what? They're just like, they all mess up. So what's the key thing to do? Let's not talk about how bad we are. Let's talk about how good we are. Let's build each other up. Let's say things that say, you're incredible. God's using you. And it's true, he is. And so the truth is, we should build up rather than tear down. Well, look how this ends. David says, I am weak today, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zerah, that's Abishai and, um, and Joab, are too difficult for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil. He's saying, may God someday take care of Joab for what he has done. And we could raise this question. Why didn't David deal with Joab and Abishai? They killed an innocent man. Why didn't he deal with them? Well, we're going to see something as we go through the, through the Second Samuel that David is a great man. Listen, let's say it this way. David is great. When the kingdom comes, if you read Ezekiel, David himself will have a huge place of responsibility to rule in the, in the millennial kingdom. David will. He's a great man. But David made mistakes just like us. 
and he doesn't deal with his family. And we're going to find later on when he has a son named Amnon and Absalom and Jedidiah and all those, he's not going to deal with them in the way that he should. And we're going to look at it and say, David, what are you doing? And we could say it this way, David, you're not a great daddy. You're a great leader and a great fighter, but you're not a great daddy. And he wasn't a great daddy. So we're going to see, why didn't he deal with these guys? He, he, he tends not to deal with anybody. And we'll see it as we go through it. So powerful passage, powerful things this morning. Let me give you some applications. First one is this, let's maintain a pure testimony. Listen, as much as possible, give no appearance of evil. Be careful. We, can, we have great freedom. We can do a lot of things the Bible t- doesn't talk about. And we say, well, if the Bible doesn't give me those directions, I have freedom to make wise choices. But we got to be careful because sometimes things maybe not look right. So there's this balance between freedom and testimony. So be careful. And the things that we do, we want to live in such a way that we bring glory to Jesus Christ. The second thing is, as we've seen over and over, leave vengeance to the Lord. Allow God to deal with it. This is probably the hardest thing of all. Never repay evil with evil. Repay evil with good. It's really a hard thing to realize that when people do us wrong, it's not our responsibility to get them back. God will get them back. And I think the hardest thing of all is that when people do us wrong is to actually do good for them. That's hard. Because naturally we say, I'm not doing good for them. In fact, what we normally say is, I'm just not going to have anything to do with them anymore. The Bible actually says do good for them. That's probably the hardest thing. Let's watch what we say about others. Let's, let's build each other up, not tear each other down. Listen, we're in a world that already tears everything down, that already finds everything wrong with everything. We should be building each other up because we need each other. We can't make it without each other. That's what we need. And last but not least, realize Jesus is our refuge. He's the Savior. He's the protector. He's the one we run to. And so we want to do that.